Welcome to the Dumb Dominoes Podcast. As always, I'm Chase. Josh. Zach. And today, we're doing another car ride review, as always, on Dungeons and Dragons. Honor Among Thieves. We got an early screening yeah. to this movie. Mm-hmm. And, boy, I'm happy I went to it. Yeah, we got to see this movie two days on early fan access. I'm a VIP member of Fandango and put in for these tickets and by golly I got them. Yeah. I put in for three because I thought you know I could put in for one but that wouldn't be right. <laughs> Tried to include the boys. Yeah. Three man show here. The gang is all here today. <laughs> so let's start out by saying that because no one has seen this movie and it's not going to be out for a couple of days we're going to start with non-spoilers and we will let you guys know with a hard stop when spoilers will come in that way you can listen to our take on the movie without it being spoiled and then when you watch the movie you can come back yeah how do you like that i think that's a that, that's the best way to do it because you want to give people chance to actually see the movie before we jump into spoilers plus exactly. we got we got it early so not everyone's gonna have seen it obviously by the time we post this yeah so about 10 to 20 minutes we're gonna talk about it with non-spoilers and then the rest of it after that we'll let you know yeah. and then it's all spoilers from there on out we'll do a hard stop and yeah. let people know so zachary out of us three in this car right now we know that you wanted to see this movie the most going into it, so I want to hear your thoughts. This was a movie that I I went in with into this movie with the right expectations. I didn't figure this movie would be very serious. Thought it would be a fun movie, just kind of a action-packed little, you know, kind of goof fest. And sure enough, I got that with flying colors, and that's exactly what I wanted. It was a very funny movie. You hit the nail on the head with that. You yeah. went in with the right expectations. I think everybody with the trailer and just seeing Chris Pine, that they knew it was going to be a little bit more goofy than serious. I hope people didn't go into this thinking it was going to be Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. <laughs> like I, I hope. I could see if you didn't go into it with a sense of humor that you could think that it was terrible. Yeah. But if you went into it with a sense of humor and you knew what you were getting into. You could have a lot more fun. Kind of like Anchorman. If you went into Anchorman and you weren't ready for some ridiculous comedy, you'd have a terrible time. Yeah. But what did you think, Josh? I thought that this movie looked beautiful. It actually, I had like yes. mid expectations. I wasn't like too crazy, you know. Like, I'm, I'm so but, with you. I, I was half and half. I was like, this movie could be so bad. Yeah. Or it could be good. And I was like, the chances of them hitting on this kind of low, really. Like, I wanted them to, but I kind of felt like I was, I was, I had my guard up. I was like, man, this could be just a, a flop. This could yeah. be a goof fest. But it wasn't. And it turned out to be a banger. I love this movie. Like, it's, Wow. I think this this will make you uh, keep in mind. Me and Chase have never played D and D, or no, we know nothing about it. I'm the only one in the car who's had any experience with it. Yeah. Now I didn't have a lot of time, but I had about a year of playing with some friends, and it was fun. And it reminded me of that. But go ahead. I can say that this movie here will make you want to start playing D and D, just because of how cool the world was itself. 
Thank God, because I want to play with you too. And it looks the visuals. <laughs> you want to play with him? The yeah, visuals look amazing. <laughs> oh my God! I thought it just the music was great. It was like it had some uh, kind of like Lord of the Rings esque Witcher slash Dragon Age kind of music. Well, glad, it was awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. There was so many homages to all your favorite fantasy franchises. Yeah. Just off the top of my head, this is not even Easter eggs. I'm sure if you went through it with a fine-tooth comb. There was I, an Easter egg I saw, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, and I'm just a casual fan. And I myself counted over 20 for sure homages. Whether they were a the hard homage or it was a soft homage. I saw connections to The Witcher, Lord of the Rings. I saw multiple to Lord of the Rings. I mean... Harry Potter. I mean, we could go on. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really cool. Like, a, it was awesome. Yeah. It was like a awesome fantasy kind of world. I actually hope that they do a sequel. Like, oh, make oh, another yeah. movie. That would be really cool, and I think it'd be really fun to explore this world even more. Because there's so much you can do with D&D. I, I don't know too much I mean, about it's it, but I know that it's got like unlimited potential. It literally is endless. You can just keep going and telling all these stories with all these different characters and classes and styles and, you know, just m monsters and villains and all kinds of stuff. I honestly didn't even think about a sequel until you just said it. And now that you said it and I'm thinking about it, oh, easily make yeah. a sequel. Like, if it does get well at the box office, which it's got a tough mountain to climb because with a $150 million budget, so you want to make double, that's 300 and then advertising and a profit. Like, they probably have to make $500 million, $450, to to do a sequel, and that's a big ask. Yeah. Uh, for something that's not approved. Well, I mean, the game and the name Dungeons & Dragons, but... Yeah. That's an unproven film property. Yeah. But I sure, I just hope it does. I hope the word of mouth, people like us, yeah, get the word out that, hey, this is a really good movie. You're yeah. really going to enjoy yourself. That's like one of the biggest things that I took away. A word that I would use, enjoyable. Yeah. That movie was so, in, like, I feel more alive now. Like, I laughed, I cried, I cheered. It's so much fun. Yeah, I thought it was, um, in most parts, better than the Hobbit trilogy. Yeah. Like, I felt like... It this was better was, than the Hobbit. I'd say so, too. And I'm a huge... Me and Trace are huge Lord of the Rings fans. All three of us. Don't leave me out. Well, I, yeah, you are, too. I'm just talking about, like, like, you know, in general about the Hobbit. And I yeah. think that this is better than The Hobbit, like if, all three movies. If I had to take The Witcher Season 1 or this movie, I would take this movie. Yeah, it's really good. It, it, when it comes to the fantasy genre, it just nailed it. I, it. It's so easy to be just goofy and cliche and just awful. And they couldn't have been anywhere close to that. It was so good. Yeah, and the comedy actually hit, too. You know, usually, yeah, I, I was going into this thinking the comedy would be cringy, but it wasn't at all. It was actually really funny. Very funny movie. It was hysterical. And it, and it was also serious, too. It was serious and funny at the same time. And knew, really knew when to pick cool. its moments. Yeah. 
and going to an early screening, uh, we were in a theater with not too many people, but quite a bit of people. About half full, when you say? But it was the perfect amount of people to be in there because it didn't feel crowded. And the people that were in there were A, uh, moviegoers, so they knew how to behave, or they were big D&D fans, and mm -hmm. so they got a lot of things. So when you go to an early access screening, it's the kind of crowd you want to be in because mm -hmm. you might get a few casuals, but people know how to behave themselves. Uh, they want to enjoy it and have a good time. They're not going to be on their phone because they put in the effort to be there. Yeah. So I just thought that was a little tidbit on our experience. Yeah. Also, I'd like to point. Uh, I'm actually kind of curious how diehard veteran plan, uh, players of D and D, and they know the story and everything. I'm actually really curious if they'll like it because you know how in Harry Potter that the people that love the books didn't like the movies very much, you know, yeah. and, and so on and so forth. It, that's in multiple franchises. So I'm actually kind of curious on how faithful this is to the original. So I'm actually curious on how the D&D &D community will um, respond or, you know, react to a movie, uh, to this movie. I have a friend at work who's an OG D&D &D player. Like, he's played for years, over two, close to probably two decades at least, and uh, I'm going to 100% talk to him about it, because I, I know he's going to go see it, he already told me. Yeah. When are you going to go see it? When it comes out? I think he said it's gonna, he's going to go watch it this weekend, maybe, maybe early next week. So, I want to ask you this, uh, since you know he's a big D&D &D fan, did you feel like a sort of pride, like a puff your chest out that you were going to see it two days before it was released to the public? Did you walk up to him and go, hey, you going to see D&D? &D? And he's like, yeah, this weekend. And you go, well, I'm going to see it Wednesday. Well, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to pull that on him. because he's like gotta, He's the OG guy, and he's the one uh, that that's like... That's the person you want to rub it in. No, I can't rub bother it in. him. <laughs> But he, you know, he it's was the guy that, fun, yeah, I know, but he's the guy who introduced me to it. So I kind of like, yeah, I'm just happy that I got to go see it. Like I introduced you to golf and then you sent me a text that you're going to the Masters. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Or you're playing uh, nine holes with Tiger Woods. Yeah, or just something <laughs> like that. Hey, I just want a random giveaway. I'm going to play nine with Tiger. <laughs> what? <laughs> Offended. <laughs> I taught you everything. How could you? How could you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we got some free um, knickknack things merch. that came out of there. Yeah. Yeah. They got this little poster thing. It's really small. It's more like yeah. a piece of paper, but it's like a poster paper. And it has like the dragons on it. Yeah. It says D&D. &D. I, I posted a picture of it and the map that we got on Twitter. So. Yeah. It's like a cloth, what, like, oh, yeah. like a cloth map or something like no, that? No, no, yeah, like that's a silk almost. That's not a... That's a map. Yeah. I was talking about the poster. And then we also oh. got this cloth map, too, yeah. which is really cool. It has like details on it from my... Yeah. It's like one of them Skyrim maps you get out of a video game case of Skyrim. It's really cool. The Except it's made of cloth. So the place that we went to see this is called Movie Tavern and it's not like your normal Cinemark or AMC. It's more of a 
I don't know. What would you call it, Zach? Like a high class? Like it has a bar and a restaurant. And oh, it has a really nice bar, like right yeah, when you enter in. With and a fireplace. It's also kind of like, like, what would you say, like secluded in a way? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure that they all are like that, but that one. Well, at least the one we went to. It kind of looked like was, Continental from yeah. Yeah, and then you go sit in your seat and you can order burgers or pizza or, or popcorn and the popcorn doesn't come in a bucket it comes in a plastic bag <laughs> and they serve pepsi not coca-cola i don't Chase, get that you were highly offended by that man I, <laughs> it's the superior drink uh, uh, <laughs> edit that out no <laughs> but so <laughs> your ticket's a little more expensive and then your food or drink it's Quite a bit more expensive. Well, the drinks, just so you know, were like almost seven dollars for a drink. Well, also like six dollars and forty cents. They serve like legit food there, and they have like waiters and waitresses that will bring it to your seat. Yeah. So it has its pros and its cons, but I did want to thank Movie Tavern for this early access. Yeah. And um, as far as this movie goes, Dungeons and Dragons. If I was doing my New York Times article, like if they hired me to be a movie critic, which, God willing, they will. <laughs> um, when you looked at DVDs back in the day and you looked on the back and it had a quote from Roger Ebert or whoever it may be, mine, this was me, would say, visually stunning. Yeah. And that's the first part of what it would say. And then it would say, comma, uh, thrilling adventure. Yeah. That would be that would be like my two taglines, yeah. and then I would go into my article. But visually stunning is an understatement. I feel like I should say visually stunning with like seventeen exclamation points. This movie was gorgeous, mm-hmm. man. The shots and the the landscape yeah. itself. Wow. Oh man, it looked like uh, you know those epic shots from like Lord of the Rings. It looked like that. It yeah. was just beautiful to look at, and it was awesome. It felt like times you were seeing the best shots from Lord of the Rings of Hobbiton and uh, the Mines of Moria. The Mines of Moria, and when it, it feels like you're at King's Landing in Game of Thrones, it it feels like you're in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Also had some Maleficent vibes in there too, which was really cool. Not the second one. The second the, one was true. The dragging. architecture of the <laughs> towns, the Coliseum, when Hugh Grant was standing up in the middle of the Coliseum, yeah. the creature designs, flaw, they're it, flawless. They're not just flawless. They, like, jump off the screen. You're just like, whoa, that's cool. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. Never once you say, oh, that looked weird. You know, like, you're just like, whoa, what is that? Wow. This oh, is and kinda... the magic looked amazing, too. Like, the spells mm-hmm. and everything. Exactly. It looked really good. Looked better than that. Well, that's not a fair comparison because Harry Potter's older, but <coughs> the effects of the magic look, like, really oh good compared to, like, Harry Potter and stuff. It looked amazing. Well, I swear the people that made the CG for the Resident Evil TV show did this because if there was one thing good that came out of that tv show it was the cg it was phenomenal and this in this movie like did it 10 times better than that even i did figure out zachary that cocaine bear their cgi for the bear and all that was done by weta peter jackson's company 
Really? Yeah, because me and Josh, or me and Zachary, when we did that car ride review, we said, I don't know what they did, but this is like visually perfect for kind of a goofy, lower budget movie. And then I ended up finding out that Weta Digital did the bear and all the CG for it. And it just like put me to bed. I was like, oh, okay. That's how that was good. Like, yeah. close the chapter on that. So whoever did the, the CG on this, that had pat him on the back. And then here's another thing. I bet a lot of stuff was on green screen, mm-hmm. but I don't really know. I, I leaned to Josh one time. I said, are they in New Zealand? Because <laughs> I, I don't know if you could green screen that yeah. with that Hobbit home. It looked really epic fantasy for sure, and it looked great too. Yeah, but somehow, do you understand like how hard it is to blend the CG and the, the fantasy with the real on location stuff? Mm-hmm. It's like almost impossible. And then how about the fact that anytime there was a fight or they're hanging on to some kind of obviously CGI creature, it's all seamless. There's never even that little detectable flaw that you you know human eye picks it up yeah just seamless just visually stunning like i said thrilling adventure and it was hysterical yeah the comedy every time with the comedy it hit and it hit hard i never chuckled i never was like half laughing when they meant to hit something that was supposed to be funny i was crying yeah it was just so funny Oh, and um, the story was really good, too. Like, yeah, The overall yeah. plot was amazing. We'll get um, into that in a minute. I'm not sure how, like, D&D fans, compared to the books or the, you know, the story of D&D, will like it. But for me, who's never played D&D before, it was a really good story. Had yeah. very good villains and had a very good, like, um, you know, the heroes of this movie and the actors did a phenomenal job everyone there's not one actor i did not like in this movie everybody's seasoned yeah everyone did a fantastic job no one was annoying like you know some other movies have everyone was top notch everyone did a great job zachary what did you think about the fact that this was this was a two and a half hour movie with just uh a lot of ridiculous aspects and comedy and cg and all that but somehow, they followed a really good pacing and with the overall story, pulled it together in a way that mattered. Like a lot of times, the plot is lost in movies like this, and then they try to just pull it back together and it just yeah, it doesn't quite work, but you get over it. But I felt like somehow, just at the right time, they wrapped up loose ends and everything came together. Mm. Well, when it comes to that, the way I think of it is that from the from very early on i would say almost from the get-go this movie really just immerses you and makes you believe in what's happening so when it comes to certain items or you know certain creatures you get really quick you know obviously it's already fantasy but you get real quick it's purpose you get its purpose or you know what it's meant to do or something like that so like Oh, okay, I don't want to get into that right now. But <laughs> I was about to go into spoiler country. But um, there are certain things that can happen that when they progress through the story, you already know we're in a fantasy world. We're going to do this. There are these items or these people or these things that can do certain abilities. So you're like, 
that's how they progress the story because they introduce you to the concept of fantasy you buy into it then they sh you know they'll show you this this way of doing something yeah and you and you buy into it and doing that kind of made it easier for them to in you know incorporate a lot of lore and a lot of items that are just natural to D&D &D yeah while progressing the story at a normal pace I feel like yeah. that's what they did it was just early on letting you settle and believe in everything and as they continued the story at a you know just a regular pace like any other movie they would throw in these little things that you know just made sense because you understand already it's fantasy right and they kind of give either a quick explanation of what's going to happen or they just straight show you which most of the time they just show you what happens yeah. and you just buy into it and you move on and you just get more story that feeds into it yeah well, I think now would be a time to do a, a hard stop on the no spoilers part. What time stamp is it? We're at 20 minutes or 21 minutes. 21 minutes. So when I add the intro, that'll be 22 minutes to be safe. Yeah. 22 minute mark. You can stop and then you can come back after you've seen the movie. So this is it from here on out. There's going to be spoilers. Okay, everybody good? Yep. Grand. And spoilers start now. Josh, what was your favorite scene of this movie? Or scenes? Oh man, uh, there's two I'm gonna I'm gonna pick three. I love the scene with the flashback where they showed the um what would you what were those mages called, Zachary? The red cloaks. Oh that was as far as I can know, because I'm not a lore expert or a D&D expert at all, I just, I played and, you know, played some games and had fun with it. But, all I know is that they're, they're some kind of undead. Yeah, they're like so, witches and they're like, like dark, undead sorcerers dark wizards. and necromancers, so. Basically. When they, they said were, necromancers, me and Josh hit each other like, oh, we've got experience with necromancers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. Um... My favorite scene was the one where they first turned the undead when... Um, you talking about when the guy had the horn? When Yender was a young lad, you know, when he was a young child, and he was running away after his family and friends, when yes. he was telling the story of the necromancers. Yes. And that was one of my favorite scenes because it was so creepy and it scary. Was. Yeah. And then the other one was when um, the dragon... The, the, the fat chubby dragon. dragon. Oh my god. <laughs> that was the meanest looking dragon I think I've ever seen. Probably. Yeah. Besides we saw, like we saw Smaug. <laughs> yeah. This dragon was monstrous and, and it was actually kind of scary but funny at the same time when he ate that dude. It was amazing. That and had then, such a great scene with that with the uh, like tilting bridge yes. or whatever. And he and what, what was his name? Um, one dude's name Yendar Yendar when uh, Chris Pine Ed was about to get eaten and Yendar just did that epic leap yeah that was crazy stabbed him in the forehead with a sword and they had the score doing the epic music and he's jumping down with that armor he's got yeah slow-mo he's got the sword up drives it into his skull yeah but here's the thing I love that but I still wasn't over 
watching the dragon roll down the hill like a slug. <laughs> I was, you could ask Josh, I was crying when he did that. He rolled down the hill like a slug, this like a gator 5,000 pound dragon. <laughs> he was so fat and he couldn't do anything, but he was destroying people. He smashed one guy like completely. <laughs> I can't even keep the car in the road. <laughs> I'm laughing. Oh, and then my third favorite scene was the graveyard scene when they were digging oh, up. Oh yes. When they were digging up. Uh, oh Olga's ancestors. Well, I knew from watching that in the trailer that was going to be one of the highlights of the movie. I already could tell. When the and the guy said that they were like. They went through two guys, and they were like, how did you die? And it, it was something, like, in battle. And then yeah. when they got to the third guy, and he <laughs> no, said, no. well, I was in the bathtub, and, and I, I slipped. slipped. <laughs> and he and, and his and head I, on the tub. And I hit my head. Well, what happened after that? I oh, died. I died. <laughs> oh, my. I was dying on that. Oh, gosh. I was literally, like... And they had a little bit of a like short comedy when they were asking questions or whatnot. Yeah. But when they meant to get a big laugh, they got it. <laughs> one of the, one of the mm. the audience that we were at really drove this this one home is in that same scene when they're asking cuz you only get five questions before yeah. they go back and you know to dead state and you can't reanimate them at all. And he he asked him like two or three questions he's like all right, let's go and the guy stopped him and said, "Hey, you got two more questions. Otherwise, he's just gonna sit here forever. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, what's your what's your favorite cat? <laughs> what's your favorite book? Yeah, and he started like, yeah. going off on that. And he's like, <sighs> and he just walks away. <laughs> oh, he's about, still alive. <laughs> when they showed the one guy and his eyeball was hanging out, and everybody went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and then they showed him getting shot in the back of the eye with like a, a dart or an it arrow. Was an arrow, yeah. yeah. And everybody's like, "Oh god." So Zachary, what were your favorite scenes? Uh, I'll let Chase you go ahead. Let me well, think about the it. The fat dragon is my favorite scene. <laughs> that is just the whole sequence when they're in the mines of Moria, and they told them, "Yeah, those those things, they look kind of half like something from The Last of Us, half of like what you'd see in The Descent." Oh, the brain thing. Yeah, the brain. They were just like little brain dogs and they only go after people who have high intelligence and they just walk by right all of them and everybody <laughs> was like oh <laughs> and uh how about the stunning shot i mean the mines of moria and it was just so funny the way that they were uh when he stepped on the bridge and it fell through after that long monologue of how yeah. they're going to get across the bridge. I was really actually looking forward to seeing how in the world they would do that mm -hmm. and then that guy ruined it. <laughs> and when that dragon came out of that uh, brick cave and the way they were looking at it, like, oh, God. Yeah. And the way they mixed the comedy with the fear, it's like, I don't know how you can convey, like, real fear because that thing was so, it was a tank. But he was so fat and hilarious. <laughs> I guess it was like in the NFL when there's like a 450-pound nose tackle. Like you're laughing at how fat the guy is, but like he's a destroyer. Yeah, you know? it's all muscle. Yeah. <laughs> so uh. that scene was my favorite. And uh, my second favorite scene was without a shadow of a doubt when we see Bradley Cooper <laughs> as a little man. 
I, I mean, he I, wasn't a dwarf, but I don't know what he was. He wasn't a dwarf, and he Hashtag. wasn't a hobbit. He was just a little man. Yeah. And the way when I saw he was in a hobbit hole, <laughs> he was in exactly like if you watched uh, the first Lord of the Rings movie, and you were in the Shire. That's what it looked like. And when Michelle Rodriguez sat down and, and he was being so professional, he's just like, well, and talking logic. And yeah. then she sees that he has a new girlfriend and it's another big bat to the bone woman. <laughs> and then she's like acting all jealous. I thought it was, I just thought it was great. Yeah. The way they played off each other. Yeah. It was so funny. Man, my favorite. Uh, and then... I'm actually going to put together two scenes for my last just amazing thing. Mm -hmm. It was Jonathan the Bird. <laughs> so it's the first scene in the movie, basically. Basically. Yeah. And the last scene in the movie. And they happen in the same spot. There's this prison parole board. <laughs> and this big bird is on <laughs> 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 Chris Pine and uh, Michelle Rodriguez tackle this bird out the window. <laughs> and he starts flying down this giant castle like, I don't know, it's like the rock. Uh, it's like the prison. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just flying down and they're just riding on him. And he's like, what is going on? And he crashes. And they look at each other like they did it, but when they got back to Jonathan the bird, he looked like he was on his last breath. <laughs> he was just dead. Well, and the funny part is, at the very top of it, you go back to the uh, oh. the board or whatever, the parole board, and they said, "But we granted your parole. Yeah, like you were, <laughs> we could let you leave." But yeah. It was the the CG they did because they could have conveyed two tones. They could have been like, "Oh, he's all beat up." But like they did, like he was dead. Like he was, yeah, like he got the wind knocked. Did out he of him. say something like "What about me?" or something like that? <laughs> I have no. And idea. They were like he was just. Well, I was laughing too hard. He was just <laughs> like he was dying. And then in the last scene, Hugh Grant's character tried to pull the same move. <laughs> the same window. They bricked up the window. They <laughs> bricked the window. So Jonathan cracked his head and neck. <laughs> <laughs> He's laying there <laughs> with that same dead look on his face. <laughs> and I, I, that one really got me. I was crying <laughs> laughing on that one. That, whatever CGI they did for that bird, Jonathan, that was practical. Oh, or practical, whatever. But I will say, what may have been the funniest scene in the whole movie, me and Josh. You were laughing, but I was howling and crying. Is <laughs> when they woke up the actual lord of the city. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's this old white man with a beard. But when he woke up from the from the spell, he just went, Oh! <laughs> <laughs> You can't tell me, Josh. You were. I saw you dying. <laughs> I was. I couldn't handle it. Was that the homage to when they woke up Theoden in Lord of the Rings? I have no idea, man. It easily I, could have been. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Why did he have to do it like that? <laughs> oh gosh. I wonder if that's what they told him to do, or 
He had his mouth wide open, just sits up in the bed. Ooh. <laughs> oh my God. Oh but, goodness. I mean, I could go on and on. I just named you like four full scenes that I just loved. Oh God. That's not normal. So one of one of my favorite scenes was the. I'm going to uh, go along with one you just said. The first, the very first scene I of the movie. Would love to see it again. The first scene of the movie where um, you get <laughs> you get that whole like backstory of Ed, Chris Pine's character. Yeah. And you get to know like his what his goals were and why he did the things he did because yeah. it's called Honor Among Thieves and he's in oh, prison right I at the enjoyed, start. I I will say I enjoyed that a lot and it like set the tone. It got the the point across really good because really. it, it showed that the movie was going to be serious but also funny because it, it pulled both it was yeah. almost like in the first john wick movie you don't really know anything about him but then vigo gives this monologue that just sets it in stone like his whole backstory like how you should feel about him and when he gets done you're like oh that's john wick yeah you know, that i kind of felt like the same thing with this they did it with both characters too, because Michelle's character, yeah, they did the oh, same thing yeah. with her too. Like, and you it bought great. it, you bought it. Like normally, that would be some cheap shortcut. Yeah, but it wasn't. Uh, another one of my favorite scenes, obviously, is going to be the the final battle. I oh, love that yeah. entire battle. Me too. With very uh, good. I mean, you just had every character plus the big bad there, yep. and yeah. the way they used the magic and the CG and. A, the little bits of comedy spritz in there but it took itself very seriously and the fights were really well done and she was insanely powerful you know she wasn't overpowered where they couldn't beat her but they took all of them to beat her mm-hmm. um yeah. this character's name or she's uh this the villain in this movie is called her name her real name is daisy head and uh, Sophina is the character's name. Yeah, makes sense. And it is she did a great job. Really good. Really she looks so it. creepy, like a like an actual witch. I, and know? I love how they played into that. She had her hood off because she was bald, and Hugh Grant walks in and goes, "Whoa, uh, I want to put your hood back on." Yeah, <laughs> people might not want to see you that way. That <laughs> <laughs> was done. Hugh Grant, man. If you wanted some subtle comedy and just a love of performance, Hugh Grant. What's his name in this? Um, Hugh Grant. Let's see. He, uh, Forge. Forge. I almost felt like it was just we didn't deserve it. Like that was just a gift to us to have Hugh Grant and then that performance he pulled off. Oh, yeah. yeah. I miss him. Forge <laughs> Fritz William was yeah. his name. So that was one of my thumbs up performances just like you'd expect anything different but we but didn't deserve that one i will say also my my favorite scene of the movie it's a it's actually funny enough a short one but it it was the scene where they first leave forge's castle and they get arrested because they've been oh, you know because yeah. of the bounty and you you see michelle rodriguez go absolutely haywire she breaks her like binds on her and she starts fighting like six or seven different guards yeah but in the same time you see chris pine like the entire time just trying to get like break free from his <laughs> oh, yes. from his restraints and yeah. it perfectly it perfectly encapsulated what these characters were going to be yep it, it really did like they set the tone the pacing was wonderful yeah you had the mage the barbarian you had the, the bard the cleric and uh, the what were they called that one the ship the she was skin like, changer well she was like a shapeshifter but she 
she was a tiefling shapeshifter. Yeah. But I don't know exactly what she could turn into like different animals and stuff, and she was raised by the wood elves. What do they call that? It's not the monk class. I don't think it's called. It's something like that. Got the devil horns. Yeah. 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 They played her. They did her justice because every time she shape shifted into a different animal, it, it worked beautifully. And then when she was herself, they had the great chemistry with uh, the wizard. What did you say his name was, Josh? Just the wizard. Jean. Are, are you talking Reggie about... Reggie Jean. Oh, yeah. Uh, his name is Zendar. Zen- Yendar. Yendar. That's Yendar. Right. So they had great rapport, so that was good. And, uh, oh, and he's also in Bridgerton, too, by the way. He was pretty yeah, good in that. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. He's the guy, He's when they take him to the island, he's the... Uh, like the hacker? The tech guy. Yeah. So he's great, like really good. He's got some... Even though he looks kind of young, he's got, he's been on the big time. Man, he's jacked, too. You see his muscles? <laughs> they're they're protruding. <laughs> I just bought <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's, that's a wrestling that's joke Vince right there. McMahon. You're a little too obsessed with his body. <laughs> yeah, I'm just simply amazed. Look. <laughs> yeah. I, I made that joke to Josh, too, when Chris Pine was throwing the charm on, talking him into it. I was like, yeah, that's Chris Pine. <laughs> Handsome man. I love that scene, too. Reese Witherspoon picked him over Tom Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, goodness. Now, there, great... there is a smart little. Yeah. Love... <laughs> yeah. I'll watch that movie. Never get that time back in life. Yeah. So what did you think about um, the whole story as a whole? Ed's story with his daughter. Man, I loved it. him trying to get that, um, what was that artifact, Zachary? It was the, uh, it was the Tome of Reawakening. Yeah. Which basically means no matter what happens to the person that you use it on, they will reanimate. You get one revive item in this whole movie, and once you use it, it's gone. Now, if you had that, like, I thought immediately of myself, and, like, I would never, I'd never use it. Yeah. I just, like... Wait for you to die and then use it on yourself? Well, you wouldn't be able to use it on yourself, though. Well, have somebody use it on you. No, I would just never use it. Like, I just, I... Throw it in the ocean. No, I'd, I mean, I'd probably sell it, right? <laughs> but I just couldn't see myself using it. It's kind of how I am and how I believe. Yeah. I just wouldn't. I well, wouldn't. I mean, what's done is done. Yeah. Well, Chris Pine's uh, character, the whole reason for this. Well, his, is, he's got motivation. Yeah, his yes. motivation was uh, his wife was killed by a dark magic, by a. I, by, by the, the, the uh, red wizards or whatever the they were red, called. Yeah, let's just call them the red wizards. And they had a baby, a newborn. Yeah, they had a, a very young child, and his his wife, the mother, was killed by this magic, and uh, regular magic couldn't do it, but this tome, this little spell, could revive her, but it was a one-time use, so he tried to find it, and he yeah. couldn't. So that's what the premise of it was, was trying to get to it, and he got separated from his daughter. But beautifully, throughout the entire movie, they set that up in the beginning, so you know his motivation clearly. But through the whole movie, as you know that, Michelle Rodriguez, she's been banished, and uh, you know her man left her, so yeah. she comes into the, to the bar and sees, obviously, that he needs help, and 
you see her basically becoming the girl's mother and his wife or partner per se. Mm-hmm. I think they he said it was like he was like her uh, brother and sister. Yeah, that was I know her. what he said, but yeah. And well, that's the thing is it's kind of like pretending, but toward the end. That's why they set it up, brother and sister, or whatnot. But toward the end, they piece it together of like, you know, you're Maybe. really, you're really like, there's something a here. couple, yeah. and yeah. that's your daughter, and so because well, even Michelle not being her mother called her Junebug. Yeah. yeah. So the way that like you knew what the motivation was the whole time, but you also saw that. So then they saved it for the very end. You know, they did it the right way, you know? They served the salad and then the steak. Yeah. Kind of like with the fighting, too. Like, you got to see what the owlbear could do. You kind of got to see what Michelle Rodriguez could do. But the much bigger, stronger fight scene was in the maze of the Coliseum. And then the biggest fight scene was to defeat the big bat. Yes. I didn't want to see her, you know, in a war for the galaxy. And then they just fight one person, the big bat. Yeah. No, they showed a little bit of what everybody could do so when you got to the big bad the high noon battle in the middle of the street it was believable yeah and then everybody went hard yeah and that's the way to do it uh-huh. you ever heard of building it <laughs> <laughs> you should tell it to monday night raw also that i do want to say uh before i forget in that in that <laughs> maze scene maze you, you, yeah you know when they got in that cage those people got in that cage and the main group you know with chris pine and all of them they said no let's go a different way and beat the system right yeah. the people who were in that cage i think if i'm not mistaken that was a cameo and an easter egg to the original dungeons and dragons movie oh, nice. because did you see the, those outfits how like retro and like obvious and oh yeah cameo i didn't they were. even know there was an older movie yeah it was like an 80s or 90s movie it was, wow. you know, just a low-budget little rinky-dink movie, but I think that was an homage to that original movie. Man, Great. that's pretty cool. Right? That's that's beautiful. There was lots of homages. Like, I caught over twenty myself, but I would not be surprised at all if you had a lore expert that was sitting down, uh, pausing it. If you could find fifty to a hundred, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised even one bit. You think it'd be hard as a filmmaker on a movie of this scope to try to like place Easter eggs and homages like on purpose like they do but not get in the way of the story or the pace because it's like man I'm already tackling such a big deal here. It's almost like they had like a master of lore go in and help them with adding stuff to the movie that would be really cool for fans of D&D you know what I mean? Yeah it's like that's the thing that's why you don't rush sequels and whatnot because what i just said yeah it is no problem if you come up with that in just the storyboarding phase yes like oh that's where it goes and this is but if you're just trying to pump out a quick sequel in like a year and just throw it in oh that'd be cool well don't do that i feel like this was a passion project because chris pine was an executive producer on the movie himself yeah Mm -hmm. and i'd like to say that the co-directors uh they were responsible for game night which i thought was a very good movie and it takes a lot of twists and turns that you wouldn't think it it would and it's an adventure movie and jason bateman and rachel mcadams and i thoroughly enjoyed it 
and uh, they were responsible. Well, they were on the writing team for horrible bosses. Yeah. So everything that they've been a part of has been a success and was a really fun watch. Yeah, well received. Adventure. So they're just riding their wheelhouse, if you ask me. If yeah. you look at their resume. And the fact that one of the two is on the story team for the Flash movie makes me feel better about things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel great about everything except for the Flash. Yeah. The Flash himself. <laughs> well, yeah. one thing... Uh... I need to go back to Hawaii and terrorize some more people and leave the movies. To, <laughs> <laughs> to the professionals? Yeah. Well, I feel, I'm happy about this movie, and I hope it's very successful in the sense of really? it shows that you can take these passion projects something that a lot of people would argue you can't really put on the big screen like D&D &D, for instance and make a successful film or show about it like like I'm still wanting a live action legit like Dragon Ball kind of movie and I feel like this movie could really show people like this and Sonic the Hedgehog can like pave the way for those movies yeah we want a mass effect movie that'd be sweet or like you know skyrim <laughs> or Shepard. fallout oh yeah the fall tv show it yeah. just it well, gives me faith netflix is doing gears of war i'm worried about that is batista involved <laughs> not that i know of but uh, I, want him as, I want him as marcus <laughs> marcus phoenix he wants yeah. he wants to be marcus phoenix as well so, we'll do it, Hollywood. We'll just do it. I mean, we ain't got time for this. Yeah, he's still I, jacked. Please. I said on this very podcast that I wanted him as Bane more than anything ever. Yeah, and we've got two Batman franchises going right now, or one's about to go and one's going. And he meets with James Gunn, and James Gunn says, "You're too old to be Bane." He met with him to talk about Bane. Like that's like what. And so that crushed me. Mm -hmm. I was like, they actually talked about it. Dang it. He's like, you're too old. And I'm like, who gives a crap? I thought, you guys, <laughs> I thought all you guys cared about was money. Yeah. He's a big star. <laughs> but whatever. That's a talk for another day. When you want them to be about money, they're not. And when you want them to be about passion and lore, they're not. <laughs> about money. Yeah. Idiots. Whatever. I don't care anymore. I just, whatever they put out, I'll just watch it and stomach it again. <laughs> so, what else do you want to talk about? I guess we could movie? go through a little more of the story. We didn't talk about when, um, you know, when they get the helmet or when they're going to go get the helmet underground. We talked a little bit about it, but apparently there's this, um, you know, to get to the treasure trove inside the castle. They have a magical barrier or a spell on the door. That's basically unbreakable. Yes, and that's where, um, what is his name? The that dumb guy. The wizard. Forge. Oh. Forge took the. Um, he's not dumb. He's just not confident. In well, himself. we don't. Well, like no, he's him. talking about the king. We're talking about the king guy because, you know, he's a jerk and kidnapped. Pretty much kidnapped. Hugh Grant. Pretty yeah. much kidnapped Chris Pine's daughter, yeah, lied and, and to like her, brainwashed and then her he took the the artifact that can bring people back to life and Hit lied it. to his daughter 
um, and said yeah, that it was the artifact of wealth, like riches, yeah. and that's all that Chris Pine was after. When in actuality, he was wanting to use it to resurrect his dead wife mm -hmm. because he loves and misses her, and the daughter thinks that he just abandoned her. I love how Hugh. But that's Grant, not what happened. I love how they're just straight up telling you Hugh Grant's a scoundrel and. He's working with the Red Priestess, and I just adore that scene when they got the boat, his boat loaded with all the riches of the people, mm -hmm. and then instead of him being like, oh, well, I'm the Lord, and it's my town, she's like, get out of my city, and he's like, okay, see you later. <laughs> he's like, does the boat have all my riches in it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye now. <laughs> but it, it kind of felt like, you know, him being the Lord, he would be like, you don't talk to me that way. <laughs> but it was just like, ciao. <laughs> yeah. And but, then they got this, uh, so they're trying to find this helmet that can, uh, what is it, disenchant uh, and break spells and well, curses. It has a charm yes. or an enchantment to it that can break all kinds of curses. And, yeah, it's just like the Triton. So that's how they're, the Caribbean. Yeah. Yes, they're trying to get into the treasure trove to get that device yeah and yinder uh makes um, chris pine make a he makes a deal with them saying that all the wealth that they get out of there will go to the people in the city you know the normal folk you know folk yeah and uh so they end up going to find this that's when they go to the graveyard to figure out where this helmet actually went and they figure out that the cleric. The uh, cleric got it. Yendar took it underground and put it in a very dangerous place where no one can get to it to keep it safe. Dangerous and was right. Then they go down there to get it. That's where they run into the uh, tubby dragon. <laughs> and, uh, tubby? <laughs> and Nobody then, calls me tubby. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah, and then he rolled right over that man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking that my head is so is like I just wasn't ready for that. Yeah. He rolls over on his stomach and just looks like a big fat grub worm. <laughs> I wanna jump in real quick on your point is when they get when they do finally get the helmet, the wizard of the group he, of Oz. Yeah, he um <laughs> of Oz. So when he gets it, it's revealed that he's the what eight times great-grandson of a, like a very powerful wizard or whatever. Yeah, I didn't really get that. And when he puts this helmet on, he can, it stops time for everyone else, but he can speak to his very, his ancestor, and he gives him like, you're not ready yet to wear this helmet, mm -hmm. because yes. you have to be powerful enough to wear it. And it really gave uh, his character a huge, like, build like a coming of age kind of thing yeah, yeah. awesome because at the start of the movie it's kind of it's shown that he's not the most powerful mage and he's you know basically still like a kid but they do give you hints that he is powerful yes yeah. like he he's, he's just not came into his power yet like he's lucky on top of the fact that he's like when he's really stressed out that's when he can do good. When they put him in high pressure situations where he doesn't think, he just goes. He mm -hmm. he comes through. He comes through. Yeah. 
And so it was a real nice character arc is what you're trying to say. Yeah, and it built him up to where at the very end he could finally drive it home. And he was like, you know what? I can do it. And sure enough, he does it. It's funny to me how like Dungeons and Dragons can successfully do a character arc. But some of these other shows and movies that we love can't pull it off. Yeah. Halo. <laughs> you got where I, I didn't really want to out specific ones. Well, <laughs> that one deserved it. It's just like, how can you not handle an arc? Dungeons and Dragons third or fourth character has an arc. Yeah. That successfully concludes, by the way. <laughs> so what did you think of some of the... Uh, I'd like to transition into this, because this is a, a big topic of conversation for me. What about all the non-human characters? The owl bear. I love that. Obviously the dragon... Jonathan the bird. <laughs> what was that other thing? That other lizard type thing that was up at the parole board? Yeah, it looked like an Argonian. Uh, this the mages, the but fish, big cat woman. Oh yeah, the giant fish. Oh my god! Yeah, giving birth through the fish. I think nah, it you'll have to the watch that. Was trying to save it, I oh. think is what actually was happening. No, I, that's I thought that was some kind of crazy ritual. <laughs> <laughs> I think it swallowed the kitten, and then they had to try to save it. So That's yeah, when the cleric showed up. So I want to talk about the different creature designs and the scenes with them. Yeah, I mean that—that's the thing. It's kind of like you know the Elder Scrolls in that way. It just has a a ton of different creatures and concepts and monsters, and really feels Harry Potter-ish. Like, yeah. That was like the first thing I watched that had a whole bunch of different creatures. Now, Lord of the Rings does, but it's kind of like, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Orcs and yeah. hobbits, but Harry Potter was the first thing to me I saw that had a bunch of wacky... I thought it was more like the Elder Scrolls for me, because I saw, like, the Khajiit, which is a cat race in Skyrim. Yeah. And then you have the Argonians, which were like lizard, lizard and swamp people. Yeah. And that's really cool. Then you so, have, you know, just different races of the, elves and whatnot. The they, most unique one to me was the, uh, when they went in that flashback scene when they were trying to see the where the helmet was, where they were being told the stories. Oh, yeah. It was that tar dragon. That yeah. shot yeah. out like that tar. That was awesome. That dragon looked cooler than, like, any of the Game of Thrones ones. It was like, holy crap, when I saw that. Yeah. And they were like, Ray, was it Rhaegal or something like that? Rhaegar. Ray well, no, Rhaegar's in Game of Thrones. This was like Rhaegal. Oh. But he was just torching them. Yeah. And that was right in the middle of the flashbacks where they're making the jokes in the graveyard. Yeah. And uh, he basically said they got overpowered by that dragon, and it was awesome. And I think that's why the fat dragon, not just in the next scene, got me. Because I, for some reason, just assumed that was that dragon and it was just a sleeping dragon as they say yeah and it ended up was it him no it wasn't him those, those were different dragons well i'm glad he explained that to me because i thought it was him and he had just gotten fat <laughs> no because that one was a that was a different type or breed kind of like a dog where this one shot out a tar type of mm. yeah, thing, awesome and the other looking. one was pure fire. Oh. Wish we could have seen more of that battle. But the unique thing to me was that the the, the yeah. big dragon, the tubby dragon, 
it when it shot its fire, it had to have a source of fire to use. I guess because it was older or weaker. I don't know. That was weird. Maybe there's not weaker. enough oxygen down there. I mean, yeah. maybe because he couldn't ever really shoot his flame until he got around pre-existing fire. Yeah. Maybe he needed like a Rocky Ford training montage, and then <laughs> he would have had enough air. <laughs> He couldn't fly either, like his wings weren't doing nothing. <laughs> he couldn't even run, he had to roll. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, my god, it's so funny. Yeah. Man, I, I mean, what did you think of the owl bear? I kind of felt like they hung their hat on the owl bear for well, I creatures. Watched, I watched a uh, YouTube channel called, uh, what was it? Uh, Critical Role, where they did a one-off little wow. game. And one of the main characters was called, well, he was the owl bear. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I absolutely loved it. It was awesome. I loved it. And it was, to see it though, was a lot different because, you know, playing D&D, you have to imagine everything pretty much. You can't, you don't yeah. have much visual to go off of. It's all in your head. Yeah. Well, here you got to see it. And man, was that thing a, a menace on the battlefield. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I'd also say it's that springtime, these allergies, yeah, they're kicking up on you. God, let's see, where where did we leave off in the story? So they get they got the helmet, around. yeah, yeah, they got the helmet, and then they went back, and then they came up with this almost heist, you know, sneaking in there, trying to get inside the uh, the vault, the vault to get the items they need, the gold and everything, and plus the artifact of resurrection. That's what I'm going to call it. Yeah. And so they do that, and apparently they moved all of the treasures down below the arena so they could move it to the ship. They faked, so, they faked them out. So Forge could escape with his daughter, with um, Chris, Pine's, Chris daughter. Pine's daughter, and then escape. And before, you know, the sorceress turns the whole arena in the city into undead and takes over the kingdom there was a great scene where they're first trying to infiltrate and you can see uh chris pine because you know he's the bard oh and yeah he starts singing and all the guards are coming up to him and they're like what's going on and then it's all like all of a sudden he's like it's like a record when you get to the end of it and it just starts skipping or whatever and they're like what's going on with this guy and you look over and you see them like way off in the background trying to get through but the mage he got his foot caught and uh, he couldn't concentrate on the spell so Chris Pine just started basically like deforming in front of them his eyes popped into his out of his head and I swear I heard gasps in the in the movie theater and laughing just it was hilarious well, that was absolutely ridiculous it was like terrifying but hilarious I loved it it was so goofy um, so then from there, they end up getting knocked out and captured trying to get all the treasure and everything. And then they get put into the arena. And they're trying to survive in a maze. And I don't know what around. that... Yeah, they're trying to survive in a maze. And at the same time, they're going through this maze. It's almost like uh, Hunger Games style. Yeah, with but, weapons hidden throughout and chests. Oh, and then they have the not, mimic chest from Dark Souls. Well, that 
that was from D and D. I'm pretty sure. Well, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like that's what I know it from. The mimic chest, and it's awesome. But except it doesn't have legs. Well, that entire time, you know, you got weapons, and you think you'd be fighting some of the other groups that are in the Coliseum. No, you're fighting this like this giant like panther looking thing. Yeah. And it's absolutely a nightmare. And it can it, hologram s- itself somehow mm-hmm. with a spell or something and make you think it's in front of you when it's actually behind you. It's actually really cool. And uh, from there, they escape the, the uh, maze arena, get underground, and then run into Forge again and pretty much stop them and escape and save, you know, Chris Pine's daughter get on the boat and they're scot-free they think and then they look back and the whole city along with Sophina is trying to kill everyone in this in the arena and turn them into the undead doing that old ritual that was a flashback from Yinder's um, childhood and trying to take over the entire city kingdom so they decide to turn back and save the people because he wants to he wants to keep his oath that he made with uh, Yendar, you know? Because it was established at the beginning that he had an oath, but he started to break it subtly because yeah. he was doing good, uh, oh, Chris Pond. He was being a good guy and, like, capturing these bad, like, uh, witches and mages and stuff. But in doing so, they turned on him and they found out where he lived and killed his wife with that dark magic. So that's when he gave, when she was, after she was dead, that's when he gave up his oath. And then he had to re, re oath himself. Yes. To be able to even try to do this to save his daughter. And by the end of it, he's like, you know what? I'm going to fulfill my oath and I'm going to save this city and give them the riches that yes. I promised to Yendar. So they go back and that's when the fight starts. They interrupt the ritual by using the teleporter wand and throwing all the gold out to the city. Um, and Sophina does not like it. And Sophina goes like crazy because all the people have, are leaving the arena and leaving her spells, uh, I guess, with the width of the spell is only a certain length. And when they escape the boundaries of it, there's nothing she can do. So she's goes down there to try to, I guess, kill Chris Pine and get revenge for it. And that fight scene was really good. I really enjoyed it. We kind of talked about that throughout the podcast, but it was really good. I like the part where she turned the gargoyle to life and it attacks Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez is fighting it with an axe. It's freaking sweet. Well, it kind of gave you a little bit of everyone fighting against it because with Michelle Rodriguez, she was trying to fight against that gargoyle that came to life and was losing. But then the owlbear showed up and, I mean, made a mess of it. Yeah. And then uh, after the gargoyle went back to solid rock, then you got the mage battle between the, the, the mage guy, the wizard, and Sophina. And, I mean, they had, like, two giant, like, hands, yeah, singular hands. Like, it was almost like a, like a, what do you call that? Like an arm wrestling kind. It was like almost a, like thumb war mixed with arm wrestling, <laughs> mixed with punching each other. And they were just school. hands. They were just, like, giant hands cut off, like, right past the wrist. Wow. Anyway, so. And Chris Pine, I loved when he started hitting her with that banjo that he had. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
he Jeff Jarreter. <laughs> he literally, I hope people understand that one. He pulled a Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. I turned to Josh, I said, it's Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, hit May Young in the back of the head with a guitar. <laughs> Jeff, for people that don't know, Jeff Jarrett is a wrestler that for years and years and years would break a guitar over somebody's head. Yeah, no telling how many. <laughs> he was very good at it. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, a lot. He broke a lot yeah. of guitars. Right before they battled Sofina, uh, he puts this charm or this uh, well, necklace thing over his daughter. Well, that, Piera had it. Yeah, that the, Michelle. For years. That Michelle gave her years ago as a child to keep her safe. It's like a, an invisible, invisibility cloak. Yeah, it's a necklace that has a charm attached to it to where you can turn pure invisible. pure invisible like with no like yes you can kind of see no you cannot see whatsoever they stole it yes and then in the middle of the battle just when you think all is lost um chris pine's daughter puts this it's arm a, band that turns off your magic abilities it's a magical restraint yes and she cannot physically use her magic and then that's when the skin changer over there the tiefling she literally just beats the living tar out of her and then throws her into the side of the building and then she gets crushed and it's awesome <laughs> yeah i love how the piece from the building falls down and just finishes the yeah. job yeah it's like mortal kombat it's just like a you know cemented it that was yeah. a nice touch and then pretty much michelle rodriguez is injured and uh they end up well she gets killed the same way that chris pine's wife did with that dark evil magic that red black magic or whatever mm -hmm. and uh i love that uh i just love how and how silly it is and then how much action there is and how much creatures and whatnot we just stop here and there and have a scene like at the campfire when Chris Pine, everybody's ready to quit, and Chris Pine says, you know what? It's all my fault. Mm -hmm. I got my wife killed. He said, we're all screw-ups. We're all the biggest one of all. And you're only a failure if you quit failing. And they all looked at him like, what? <laughs> and he's like, no, you can't. If you stop, then you're labeled a failure. Yeah. But so if, you, you, if you fail and keep going and you keep mm -hmm. failing... You're not a total failure. So you have like a serious scene that, that gets you. And then later on, like when Michelle Rodriguez is about to die, and they have that emotional scene where it shows her. Like the flashback. She's the mother. Yeah, basically the mother. Mm. And uh, he uses the the spell to keep her, bring her back. And so how you have a real touching, like multiple touching scenes, mm -hmm. pretty impressive. Yeah. That's me. And then they end up um, saving Michelle Rodriguez using the resurrection tablet, which saves her because she that's the only mom that uh, Kira, I think her name yes, is, has uh, that has ever had because her mother died when she was very young. And Michelle was there in her youth, you know, raising her with Chris Pine pretty much. And. It was a really nice scene, and we kind of had a Disney ending kind of thing. It was really nice. Um, well, and that's pretty that's, much the end of the story there. That's Dungeons and Dragons, Den of Thieves. Yeah. Just, I I, I loved it. Yeah, me too. Had it a was, fun ride with it. It exceeded my expectations by a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think, I highly recommend... 
that if you're a fan of any kind of fantasy, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, any of that, even if you're not really a fan, you just like comedy and stuff and a good story, this is a really good movie, I feel like. I think. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's fan- fantastic for people of all ages and you're going to go into the theater and you're going to have fun and you're going to come out happier than you went in. Yeah. And I really, really hope that everybody goes and sees it and then it hits its financial goals and word of mouth spreads and we get another one. Yeah, I'd love to see a sequel to this. Well, do uh, do y'all want to give it y'all's final ratings? Sure, who's going first? You. Josh, I'll let you go first. Funny enough, I did not see one problem with this movie. Not one. So I'm going to give this movie a hundred out of a hundred. Wow. Oh my God. That's my first ever hundred out of a hundred. Oh my God. Mr. Man. Yep. (laughs) I I couldn't find one problem. That was a shocking development. There was like thinking about it. I loved every character. I loved every shot, every scene, no mistakes. Comedy hit when it was supposed to. The story was really good. The fighting was the fighting was really great. good. And there's and the music was amazing. There's nothing wrong with this movie. It's literally a perfect movie. I think. What do you guys think? Why well, I, uh, I definitely give it a ninety five out of one hundred. Yeah. It's no Godfather, but it's definitely up there. Well, there's a, they have their own things. When yeah. you talk about the greatest movies of all time, sure. it's like they have their own places well, above like, each other. Is this but a legendary movie? What I was going to say is, I give it a 95 out of 100 on that scale, but here's where I turn it around. On the mm-hmm. enjoyment scale, the fan scale, I give it a perfect A+. plus. Yeah. I give it A+, plus my audience score, my enjoyable enjoyability score a plus mm-hmm. like there's no chance you go into this movie and you don't completely love it and yeah. if you don't it's, i don't know you, you <laughs> aren't you're going through a divorce yeah <laughs> well zachary you're last uh i'll give this movie mm, i guess i'll give it a 98 wow i mean i i loved everything about it I didn't hate anything. Nothing was wrong. The pacing wasn't ever off. The shots were great. The music was awesome. I mean, Josh, I think you could honestly sway me into a hundred, honestly, with this movie. No, there's nothing wrong with you, the movie. I, yeah, at all. there's not literally a thing. The CG, like you'd think in this movie, the CG would hold it back. No, nothing holds this movie back at all, and it's at it's running a hundred percent the entire time, beginning to end. Mm-hmm. We even get a little funny uh, end credits, or not end credits, but like early mid credits. Yeah, uh, scene. The dead guy in the yeah, cemetery. because they left a dead guy without a final question. He's just still sitting there talking. Yeah, waiting on someone to come along. <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's what I think. So do y'all want to y'all want to wrap it up there? I think that's it. That's. Um... Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves and yeah. we're honored to be able to go and do an early movie screening and hopefully in the future we'll get to do a lot more. Yeah, oh, that'd yeah. be amazing. Yeah. But opening closing music by Daniel Schroeder. Bye everybody. See ya. <laughs>